The smartest people on the Penn State football beat, myself and Sean Fitz. We are safe and warm in our homes instead of in Piscataway, New Jersey. Uh, we're bringing you the BWI Live postgame show, discussing what just happened, whatever it was that just happened for Penn State football. Uh, interesting game script fits. Um, you know, I think all of us expected a big win for Penn State. I don't think any of us expected it to happen the way it happened. What's your initial reaction to what Penn State did putting up 55 points that way? I mean, we can shine it up and say, hey, you've got to win games in different ways. And Penn State's defense yeah. scored enough points for Penn State to win the game. Uh, the special teams added enough, almost enough to win the game. And then and then the offense kind of got rolling a little bit. But, you know, sometimes you have that. Uh, you take a look and switch the um, switch the channel right now. And Ohio State was struggling with uh, Maryland when I came upstairs. So it's not easy to win in the Big Ten, especially on the road. And sometimes you don't have your fastball and Penn state clearly did not have its fastball this morning or this afternoon uh, on offense, but uh, they found a way to get it done. So, uh, you know, you, you played a, another poor team, you know, not getting around that in by any stretch, but uh, 55 to 10, I guess after that start, which was horrendous, you'll, you'll certainly take that. Yeah. Uh, this was, and maybe for a lot of different reasons that we can get into a little bit later in the show, but this was, one of the flatter performances I've seen from Penn State. Uh, they didn't look sharp on offense. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to remember all the incidents. I think there were some false starts on special teams. Barney Amore did not have a great game, although the redemption was phenomenal. But just generally, outside of some big plays, it was a very sloppy game. Uh, even from the defense to start, some things that has have been painfully obvious to everybody all year kind of crept back into this game plan. But the adjustments and, and the way that Penn State was able to work through those things is why uh, they won this game. That and phenomenal talent. It's the BWI Live post game show. If you want to donate to the uh, to the show. We appreciate that very much. We'll be talking to you, the fans, throughout the show. Um, but, you know, as we're hosting and talking, it makes it difficult to see everything everyone's saying. So if you want to make sure that I see your comments, you can donate. It, it's just big, colorful blocks for me to look at. And then we'll throw them up here on the show, just like Jason did here. That's how you paste a night. So uh, very happy about the win. He's got the, uh, is that a Jersey flex too? Like that looks like a very New Jersey bicep for some reason. So a uh, little bit of, uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But anyway, uh, if you want to donate to the, to the channel and you want to get on the show, we're going to be talking to you guys tonight. Um, what is your big takeaway from the beginning part of the game? And another offensive kind of performance that was not exactly cohesive um, concern, not concern. Where do you land at this point in the season, given Penn State's opponents and kind of the way things have gone? I mean, we're 11 games in, so concern kind of flies out the window when you talk about one regular season game left, a very important regular games, uh, regular season game, excuse me, uh, left against Michigan State, who's been all over the map. Um, of course, blew a big lead today against Indiana. So, but that, that game is always tough for Penn State. So you can't, uh, can't expect to walk over them like you did over the last three weeks. I think really my takeaway when you can run out of this, like when you can struggle and just do everything wrong, be as flat as can be, you know, Nick Singleton gets the fumble. Penn State 
sort of essentially bailed out by an offsides on the punt that was a fumble. You know, just everything, sort of the Murphy's Law, just everything going wrong. Uh, but you can run out of that. Katron Allen, 11 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. He's strong. Uh, Nick Singleton, nine carries, 62 yards. Nothing spectacular, but had a 26-yard run thrown in there. And then Sean Clifford, you know, when you needed him to run, you know, he kind of got the kind of got the wheels on that uh, yeah. touchdown run. The QB uh, dive right up the middle, essentially, was uh, was pretty interesting. Um, but they were able to run out of it last year. They couldn't have done that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, that is it. I was just thinking about Sean Clifford getting that 14 yard touchdown run. That is the golf swing. I've heard golfers talk about like when you're bad at golf and you hit that one really good shot. That's what keeps you coming back. And that's what keeps the offensive coordinator and everyone calling Sean Clifford run plays at the goal line. Cause every once in a while it works perfectly and you get an easy walk-in touchdown. Um, uh, yeah, th- there was, a, there's the thing that stands out to me from the beginning part of the game. Some of the adjustments, uh, from, from Penn state, you look at how the, the defense played after the first three drives, 22 yards total till the end of the half. Um, lots of RPOs, Lots of quick passes and crossers, man coverage, those things that we've seen throughout the uh, the season that have frustrated Penn State at times. And then they just stopped doing that, and it was over. Yeah. Gavin Wimsat couldn't read the defense, and pressure caused a lot of different problems. But the adjustment there, I thought, was smart. And it was kind of one of those, do you... Do you Fitz? Do you need to be running press man coverage against Rutgers? I feel like there's a couple different ways you can win. So they they went away from it pretty quickly and were able to adjust in in the first half to get where they needed to go. Manny kind of went mad sorcerer on him. Just uh, some of those like the uh, the Abdul Carter sack. You watch the rest of the of the defensive line. Uh, Zane Durant's coming around the left side on a stunt. Chop Robinson's going, and it's just so much so much motion around and just really just screw him with the quarterback's head. Wimsett didn't have a chance. I mean, he was not accurate to begin with. He, you know, he threw a couple of nice balls on those crossers that you mentioned, but you need time for that. And once Penn State decided, or not decided, well, once Penn State found the formula to sort of mess around, to to, to roll up coverages, to, to, to go back into that zone. I mean, there was a third down where Daquan Hardy looked like he was coming off the edge. He drops right into the flat, and all of a sudden, your first read's gone as a yep. young quarterback. You're, you're screwed at that point. So... Um, that's, that's really what, what Manny was doing. Um, the talent gap was just huge. Uh, Penn state overwhelmed, uh, Rutgers through the last three quarters on that, uh, on that offense or on that defensive line. And that's the, that's the, the, the performance that we expected. You know, I came out the other day and, and said, they're going to pitch, pitch a shutout, which made me look really stupid just a couple minutes into the game. Cause Penn state could not do anything right. Um, but they got to 10 pretty quickly and they stayed on 10 just because Penn yeah. state was so overwhelming. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think, just, they came out, Rutgers came out firing, and they had a good plan, but the problem, and and you, you point out the, the obvious flaw, is that that plan only works if you can sustain it, and they could not sustain it once Penn State adjusted to the plan, both offensively and defensively, and, you know, to... When I was talking uh, to some of the Rutgers people earlier in the week, they said, like, how do you keep this game close into the third quarter? Well, you need to get some turnovers. You need to control the football. You need to be methodical. You need to have Penn State make some mistakes. They got the game script they wanted for the first quarter and some change. And then, 
you know, the mistakes started piling on. And with that in mind, Kevin says to play flat and bad and win by 45, I'll take it. In recent years, Pence, it would have lost this type of game. A win is a win. And I think, uh, Fitz, you, you put that perfectly, saying the talent gap and just the attrition of Pence being so much better. You can run out of those problems that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's the it's the depth that just pulls away. And, and that's what Michigan did to, to Rutgers and, and Penn State did it a little bit quicker. I mean, you're sitting there at halftime, 28 to 10, and you're like, as a Penn State fan, furious because nothing went right. And you're still up 18. So that's a pretty yep. good thing. And it's not, you know, it's not an FCS team or anything like that. But it's it, it's I disagree with the the fact that or, or with the comment about they would have lost this game in years past. They were just so overwhelming. I mean, you you can't pull up Illinois 2021 and say that this, this is something that happened like that. It's just it, it's it's not. uh it's not really something that that's in that DNA. I think that's a little bit uh, overblown, but you know, when the bounces are going against you and you, you, and everything's still coming up, right. You're just significantly better than them, deeper than them, faster than them a little bit. I mean, that Rutgers defense was, was playing pretty well. And then yeah. all of a sudden you, you just can't, I mean, it's, it's like you're, you're trying to hold up the pillar by yourself and you just can't after a while. Chuck makes a good point here, but I think that this is an interesting conversation to have and something we talked about in the BWI message board earlier this week. Great reason to sign up for $10. You could have conversations in depth and longer than here where we're only here for an hour. Uh, we talk to the message board members on a regular basis. Chuck says both Michigan and Ohio State are beat up. Now would be the time to play both of them. Crazy they'll play each other with key players hurt. Chuck, Penn State doesn't have an offensive tackle that started the season. They're playing a true freshman left tackle, which for the first time this year did come back and was a factor early in the game. The pressure and the blitzing from, from Rutgers, who, who just, I think they just put the game plan for 2021 into a file folder and then brought it out again this year uh, to play Sean Clifford because he actually played this week instead of having the flu like he did last season because it was all stack the box, pressure, man coverage, and make him beat you. Um, and and with the banged-up Penn State offensive line, before they got things going, they punted the ball five times in six drives, and they fumbled the other time. So it's not just those two teams that are that are banged up. Penn State has some serious holes, and, and that was a part of the story today as well. Um, let's talk about that, though. Parker Washington uh, did not play today. I know there have been a lot of rumors. What what did you hear early in the week and kind of what were the things leading up into this game? Yeah, we posted some stuff on our, our message board late this week at Blue White Illustrated. I, I don't expect to see him the rest of the season. Uh, uh, we're waiting for Franklin's comments to see if that he's going to come out and say it, but he was injured and, uh, you know, he's, he's out. Penn State tried to, um, you know, tried to go get around that. It's so tough. Parker does so many things. And yeah. I won't attribute Penn State's slow start to how that, you know, how, how to, to not having Parker Washington, but Tinsley, Wallace, a little bit of Keandre Lambert Smith. You basically were trying to work through it with 12 personnel, which throwing Theo out there that you, you've got worse ways to combat that, but you're, you're finding yourself in a, in a situation where you don't have the go to guy. Tinsley's been fine, you know, been, been good, um, but Parker just gives you a little bit something different, makes some of those catches, those tough catches also as a punt returner that that yep. can't be overstated um, how much they will, they'll probably miss him as a punt returner. Um, so you've got to find different avenues and Penn state kind of struggled to do that early on again, not, not saying that this slow start was an on account of Parker Washington, but at the same time, I mean, there's the, the, there was obvious times where they missed him. Yeah. And it has a knock on effect, right? So you, you lose Parker Washington in the slot and, 
I have to go back and look because I wasn't looking specifically play by play how they replaced him. But what they did before is Mitchell Tinsley moves into the slot and then you got Keandre Lambert Smith and you've got Harrison Wallace out there. So you have less threats on the perimeter and, and Penn state's, you know, all of their dangerous weapons are in the slot. So then when, when a hundred percent of them are on the interior with those two tight ends and with, with Tinsley, uh, it does condense the field a little bit and it does kind of change some things that maybe you want to do. And Parker Washington on the inside with, you know, two-way go, man coverage, that would have changed some stuff today. That would have, you know, he gets a couple open routes and, and open quickly, which was another thing that I thought they struggled with today as well, was getting open quickly against man coverage, which led to the pressure and all that stuff. I mean, it could change some things, um, but again, you talk about uh, the ability to then adjust, overcome the defense, all that stuff. Um we got to talk. We got to put down the offense for a second because we got to talk about Abdul Carter. The second time in two weeks that he took over a game fits. I mean, are we seeing the beginning of a superstar? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. you don't want to throw too much at a freshman, but man, he's just, he's everywhere. And I know it helps when you're playing Rutgers. It helps when you're playing Maryland, but you know, he's done this against some, some pretty good teams as well. So yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I hate having the conversation about, is he better than Micah as a freshman, but he probably is. I mean, he's just more consistent. At least I would yes. say Micah yes. was obviously incredible and, and you know, the NFL going to be the NFL defensive player of the year, or at least be in that conversation, but still, you can separate the career that he's had at the pro level with the career that he had at Penn state and say, you know, he's, he's a good, good deal better as a pro, but that's irrelevant. We're not going to talk about Coa farmer. We're not going to talk about that, but he just <laughs> covers so much ground. I mean, he's, he's essentially covering the ground that you're asking your Sam linebacker to cover, but playing him in the box and playing him at will. And he just shoots the gap. He's it, it's really unbelievable because if you watched him in high school, he wasn't this player. He no. was, a an athletic freak absolutely but he did not have the instincts he didn't he was not asked to have the instincts um to to do some of the special things that he's been able to do and it's all come together i'm not sure that i've seen it come together for a defensive player in my time covering penn state like him so quickly because this so is quickly. a such such a leap from where he was last year to where he is this year so his junior tape i remember watching it and going i can't see the athleticism because i can't stop watching him think and then you turn on the senior film and you're like, oh, that's night and day. And now you watch it and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's another extra. night and day. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's an exponential curve for this kid, the way he's getting better and his intelligence. And I just think you cannot overstate how uh, mature he is and how smart he is and how dedicated he is. I love the way they're using him right now in that blitz package because it, it, it's it's stunting, right? So they're bringing guys one way and having him loop around, trying to like flush the 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 you know the bird out of the weeds, and then and then you have him go chase. But it's also like he's the quarterback spy, and when he goes now, it's ridiculous. And and, and he you know up the a gap as a blitzer, as a run defender. Um, he's making fewer mistakes in coverage, although he did have that swing pass that he, you know, should have expanded to, and and there was a drop on that. But I mean, there's there's very few holes in what he's doing right now, and to have it like you said at the end of his freshman year, from his junior year in high school to now, I don't remember seeing a guy make this much progress. Uh, we got a couple here in the chat. Uh, Matt says T. Franken fits two of the best in the business. Appreciate you, Matt. That's awesome. Thank you. He's very nice guy. Uh, really like Matt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mike says, reason we don't see some of the young speedsters playing, I think that means more towards 
um, you know, Ivy and Caden Saunders, Anthony Ivy, Caden Saunders. Do you have any thoughts on on some of the young guys not seeing the field with more veteran guys ahead of them? I just I just think there's a gap between those first four and, you know, maybe even well now three without Parker, but Tinsley Wallace and Lambert Smith. And then I see a gap and then maybe Amari Evans is the speed guy you're looking for. They got him in at the end of the game, tried to do some things with him. Um, but I mean, speed's great, but it, you're not just asking somebody to run just a straight fly pattern or something of, of that nature. Um, Liam Clifford got in there, looked pretty decent. I thought yeah. um, he's not a speed guy, but uh, sometimes you don't need the speed guy. You need the, the quicks guy. And he's uh, he's a guy that can operate out of the slot. They, they've got it. They still have issues at wide receiver. It's going to be one reason that they're very active in the portal at uh, scouting wide receivers, trying to get faster. Um, and, it, and it's one reason when you look at the end of the 2023 class, what they're doing right now is finding out if that guy is, or if those guys are fast enough to play at Penn state. And that's a, uh, that's not always easy because there's a lot of guys out there that can run sub four, six, which is still very fast, but you're looking for somebody that can take that to the next level. You got Anthony Ivy, who you mentioned is probably a four, five high four, four guy. Um, Caden Saunders, a low four, four guy, Amari Evans tested for them in the low four threes. Um, so you've got some speed to work with. It's just a matter of harnessing that speed, figuring out, how to make that into, um, you know, functional speed, functional routes and things like that. Yeah. I don't think they're there yet with Caden Saunders. I don't think that we've seen enough from Amari Evans to say that they're there. Now that stuff is, it can come with an off season. It can really help. And you can make a leap as a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore as a, as a wide receiver. But I just, I think there's a gap between those other guys. Malik mega is fast, but got to be able to catch the ball consistently done a nice job on special teams, but uh, it's just, there's just a gap and, and Penn state's receivers, I don't want to say they're not very good, but like you saw, you saw they had a tough time getting, um, excuse me, they have a tough time getting open quickly. It's 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 not so much always about separation; it's about getting separation at the right time. Yeah, and that I think that's what Penn State really struggles with. And one thing, just quickly, uh, to before we get to some more of these comments here, because we got a lot of people donating the channel, super appreciate that. Um, it it's it's for Keandre Lambert Smith. Again, speed isn't the issue for him, but he needs to be a little more physical at the catch point. Yeah. There, there's just, there needs to be a little bit more fight in his routes. And, and and that's been, I think the biggest thing that's held him back as a football player, because you know, the drops are one thing, but then the drops are because he's looking for contact and he's looking all these things kind of compound on, on themselves. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's something that Penn state's got to figure out this off season of who's going to be the guy that steps up creating the competition that we've, I think talked glowingly about that's going to happen this off season up front. They need to find the same thing. And, and those guys in, in the receiving room, depending on what happens with, you know, the draft and, and Parker Washington and all those things. Uh, Eli says Carter's really making that 11 Jersey proud considering who came before him, who wore that number. I, you know, I I've had this conversation of people have asked me and we've had this discussion of is he Micah Parsons and I was like I've never seen anyone as physically strong and violent and explosive as Parsons and I I, I keep saying like mm, maybe 95th percentile for Carter and he keeps pushing that a little bit higher each game it's just crazy he's uh, also 6'3 235 which you know that, that as a freshman he's going to continue to you know he, he's probably going to play at 245 maybe next year but he's got the athleticism to, to keep going. So I think that that's something sometimes when you step in, you maybe aren't as physically developed as, as some of your peers, but you can still step in with the talent, the athleticism, all that stuff. He's already got the size. And that's, yeah. uh, that's what's scary is he can grow into 
that linebacker and you know be, how big was Parsons? What's that? How big was he his freshman year? How big was Parsons his freshman year? I think year? he was two thirty five as well. But yeah. I, I, Abdul's just a little bit longer. Um, you know, yeah. which is crazy because Micah, you know, had had that ridiculous defensive end body. But so does so does Abdul. I mean, this is a guy that a year ago they were talking about potentially being one of their edge rushers and being a defensive end. But if you can stick a guy out there at, at that size and he retains that athleticism and can find the football. All of a sudden, your defense gets a little bit bigger at the second level, and that that yep. you're in a really good spot then. Yeah, and he essentially operated as a pass rusher in, in today's game, where in the second quarter when they needed something, he was all over the place. Nittany 96's Abdul Abdul Carter is ridiculous. And as just basically said, he's NFL bound in two years. Enjoy it while last Nits fans. I think that's also really, uh, really obviously true yeah, two <laughs> it's more hard years, two more years after this one we'll, we'll, we'll throw yeah. that one in there so let's get him for a little bit before we before we can uh cast him off to the nfl two years and two games at this point uh brian Bacaro says eating a little bit of crow today the um and osu games were eye-opening that said makes those losses hurt even more has psu ever had two running backs in the same field like they have now so fun uh do you do you have a comparison because I know Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley were on the same team, but they, they didn't really see the field at the same time uh, like these guys have. No, nah, you got to go back to the 90s for that. Um, just uh, Penn State's had some really great backs. But, you know, with Saquon, you, you kind of leaned on Saquon, as you should have, and Miles got a little bit of time. But to to go essentially, now they're not going series to series, but for essentially one-to-one, I mean, this is pretty remarkable. I think the stat was both uh, both freshman running backs had over 700 yards, which is the first time think in maybe big 10 history or something like that penn state put out a, a load of stats today because there were so many stats but uh it's it's special man like it's it's really different really complementary styles and you know nick singleton was not going today he lost that fumble early and and yeah. katron allen picks up and goes with it and we've seen vice versa throughout the season so that's pretty cool that they're able to adjust and credit to penn state's coaches because they've talked about the hot hand for years yeah and i think we're finally seeing it yeah, for sure. that's a, that is a great point that we keep trying to say Katron Allen needs to be the starter, Nick Singleton needs to be the starter, and it goes week to week of which guy is good, and that's literally describing the hot hand. And today, Katron Allen, the runner, and and Nick Nicholas Singleton, the kick returner, had a massive impact on this game. And talk about athletic freaks of just. Every time he runs and he's in the open field, you're like, why can't we do this more often? Like, I, fan or not, I just want to see that dude run 100 yards all the time. <laughs> yeah, untouched, too. And it's just everything just opened up. And there was a couple of those, um, but uh, everything just opened up. And it was really cool. And um, you don't see too many of those. And and you've got Jair Brown running 70 yards for a touchdown. You've got Kobe King, the ball bouncing up to him, uh, returning for a touchdown. Even Johnny Dixon should have had a pick six, but uh, that one got called back. So, like I said, Penn State very obviously without its fastball and offense today, but they were able to overcome and they were able to uh, sort of work around that. And I don't want to say that that's the mark of a good team, but you know they, they were able to um, sort of um, just improvise. And Clifford ended up 17 of 26 for 157 yards and a touchdown. Nothing outstanding, but they I think they had 70-some yards in the first quarter. They ended up with 436 total. You got Drew Aller, a bunch of, decent snaps um yeah you know it's, it was funny to watch the reaction you know after the first two running plays where katron allen just said i'll just do this myself did <laughs> right. it really well himself and then ended up uh you know pushing drew down the down the uh down the card a little bit so but that's fun i mean you, you've you felt you found yourself in a position where 
the game is out of reach, but you can still run your offense. You're still running with the first team offensive line. You're still running with those receivers. And those are valuable reps. And and I know that we're going to have a hand ring about whether he could have come in a, a drive earlier or anything like that, but to get a quarter and a half essentially yeah. of pretty good reps. I mean, it's going to be something that, that really pays off in the long run, I believe. Kevin says, I came into the season saying this was an eight win team at best. Uh, very happy to be wrong about that. The future is bright, folks. I think that's there's a lot of people that were a little slow to come off their preseason um, uh, feelings about this team and that this season didn't matter and it only mattered about Drew Aller. And really, I mean, you look at this game, you look at the last game, you look at the game before, Penn State is getting his cake and eating it too. They're winning by 40 points and they're getting Drew Aller in for almost like half or a quarter of the game, which is massive to be able to do both of those things. Uh, let's pause one second and I appreciate because we got a ton of Super Chats coming in. I want to get to all you all of you guys, but I do want to talk about the game. You mentioned the defense um, and all of those turnovers. Um, Rutgers is a part of the story here, but another game with almost a program record in tackles for loss. The turnovers, the big defensive plays are coming, uh, bubbling to the surface here. I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but is this sustainable in that is Manny Diaz going to be around for long enough to keep this sustainable? <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to do what they can to keep him. I mean, I think it's probably from a, from a logical standpoint, a little bit early for him to, take another head job, especially as the way that he's ended at Miami and not that Miami's, you know, taken the ball and run with it and, and done a great job since he left. And I think it, probably you see a little bit what a, what a good coach he was considering what they have right now. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be an issue at some point. I mean, you, you look at the opportunities here and, you know, I always say with, with coordinators, you want to get two years out of them. And if you get two years out of them and things go that you the way that you want to go, then they're probably going to be looking at a head coaching job. You saw that with Moorhead. Um, you saw that with some some other guys. Um, Pry obviously was here for a lot longer than two years, but you want to cycle those guys up. And uh, Manny had a little bit of rehabbing to do coming off that Miami job. And I think probably two years is, is what you're looking at. So um, it'd be nice to keep him around because there's a lot of talent coming back on both sides of the ball next year. Um We'll see. We'll see if that happens, but it's, it's, I'm enjoying it for now. It's exciting. It's different. It's, uh, they take some risks. They have obviously gotten beaten a couple of times, a couple of slants today, those drags that you mentioned and things like yeah. that. But it's, it's really, really fun to watch his defense be aggressive. And I think it's something that you can maybe parlay into recruiting this offseason is, hey, come play yeah. in this defense. It's fun. You know, even if he's not here in two years, you know, that's something that they want to build off of. Um, you saw that when when Joe was here, when Joe Moorhead was here, James Franklin wanted to run his offense even he after he left from Mississippi State, or at least elements of his offense after he left from Mississippi State. He's seeing the success that this defense is having and saying, this is something I want to attach myself to. Yeah, and, and this is actually, my next question was going to be this about recruiting, um, is that does stuffing the stat sheet help you with high school recruits and saying, hey, listen, you know, we really like your potential and look at what our guys are doing in this defense. If you're a, I, I don't know, let me just throw something random out there, like a top 50 cornerback in America and you're watching Kalen King and Johnny Dixon and Joey Porter Jr. do this and you see all the PBUs and you see all that stuff. Is, is that like a real recruiting tool for some of those guys? Because to me, 
I'd want to play in a defense like that if I were one of those players. That is quite a hypothetical you just pulled off the top of your head there. But yeah, that's what they're that's what they're working with Daniel Harris right now. They're saying you you come in and be Joey Porter Jr. You're playing this playing this defense. We want you to play man. Uh, corners want to play man. You know that, yeah. that even if it doesn't happen, you know fifty percent of the game, they want to be the guy out the out on the island that plays man, and that's something that you can go out and sell. Um, going back to the, the last point before that, the other thing is. Defensive coaches get significantly fewer looks um, as head coaches than offensive coaches point. now because you want to score points. You want to be the guy that goes out there. I mean, Brent Pry obviously waited for his shot and got a, a shot at a great program like Virginia Tech. It hasn't gone to plan, but you know it's it's more rare for a defensive coach to go out there and get a head job. Now, is it impossible? Absolutely not. Manny's been fantastic, and people have taken notice of that, but. At the same time, you know, if this were happening on the offensive side of the ball, if his defense was doing that same thing on offense, he'd be a gone. Yeah, gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- oh, yeah. That's that's something that that I don't think is is deniable. So um it, it's been really fun to watch. But yeah, they're gonna use that in recruiting. They're gonna say, Hey, you you're gonna be the next Abdul Carter, or you're gonna be the next uh, Chop Robinson or or whatever whatever they're showing right now is something that that I think is selling. And and you got 15 tackles for loss today. 15 tackles for loss. Yeah. Double digits last week, double digits the week before. That's having fun. Those are fun numbers. This is not just like, hey, our red zone defense is really good. You know, this is you're putting up the numbers, the personal numbers that you want as a high school recruit. Yeah, and it's growing on Showtime as well. He says, feast of famine, blitz happy defense of Coach Diaz is growing on me. The patchwork offensive line doing work as well. Um, two thought, one more thought about Manny Diaz and the defense that I think is kind of important to the context here. It's, it's looking at now and also looking forward and that this is year one in the big 10. And I know that there's a lot of uh, Manny Diaz has been a defensive coordinator and has been a defensive coach for a very long time. It's not like what he does is a surprise to anybody, but it is the first time around the sun for the big 10 with this particular defense. So I'm interested to see. You know, we've we've got this really fun, hot, out-of-the-box thing with Manny Diaz. Uh, Can you do it next year, too? How does that work when teams have a year? Because we've seen teams adjust even to Joe Moorhead back in the day of, okay, now we understand we're going to stop this, and then they had to evolve a second time to really make sure they were keeping ahead of the game. I'm curious to see how that works. And then secondarily, how much do you put of this output uh, on the opposing offense versus what we saw earlier in the season, because that's something that I'm trying to balance in my head of. Early in the season, they're learning the defense. This defense clearly was still kind of working out the kinks, but now they're facing these very inept offenses, and they are crushing them. So how do you balance those two ideas in, in your mind? That's that's the part that kind of sucks, is because you, you've got Indiana, you've got Maryland. You Now, Maryland has had a better offense than they had last week, undoubtedly, and then you've got Rutgers, who... You know, you, you just you have an inaccurate quarterback and that kind of you, you fall behind. You can't run the ball, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's so many things that were going for Penn State beyond the way that Penn State was playing. And that's that's the unfortunate situation is you're not going to get as much credit as you probably should because of the teams that you play against. And, that's, and I'm fine with that. You know, the, the, these last three weeks have been overwhelming, not only on the, on the game plan, but overwhelming in the fact that you didn't think that Indiana was going to do anything. You didn't think that Maryland was going to do anything. And today yeah. with Rutgers as well, then, I mean, that that's kind of where I'm at with that. So I don't know. It, and, and, you know, they'll, they'll catch on. This is not uh, rocket science. I mean, you, you, you say 
on offense, you ran this, run the same place just out of different formations and things like that. And everybody runs the same place defensively. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. Now you can play different schemes, different aggressive, uh, or, or be, be a little bit more aggressive as Manny Diaz has been, but at the same time, it's not that different. You know, you're not switching yeah. to a, some exotic front or not playing some zone that some, somebody's never heard of. This yeah. will be there's only so many ways you can slice the field exactly. in coverage, man exactly. or zone. There's only so many things you can do. So sure. yeah, they'll catch up. Penn State, it's Penn State's job to adjust. It's Manny Diaz's job to to adjust to. Um, it's a chess game and 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 adjust to the next move. Uh, one other thing before we move on, Scott Wilson says backdoor tribute to the defense. Rutgers punter Corsak had a record today: more punts than Wimsett had completions, more punts than Rutgers had points, more punts than Rutgers Rutgers had first downs. So another dominating performance for the defense. What did you think of the offensive line today? Because that has been we've we've talked about giving them credit. This was one of the better defenses they've seen this year, and I think that is something you know Drew Shelton faced uh, legitimate pass rushing threats and early on there was some struggle but I felt overall they were able to adjust and find something especially in the second half really good run blocking to start the third quarter what were your kind of your global thoughts on the offensive line today yeah it was an adjustment they looked pretty mediocre to to open the game and that's I don't know if that's playing on your heels if that's a, a situation with the the early short punt or the 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 big kick return uh you know and you just find yourself in different spots um but it it, it felt like that Penn State was waiting for Rutgers to come to, to come to it some of that you know might have been on the quarterback some of that might have been on the running game it's it's really hard to say but they adjusted as you mentioned that's credit to them credit to Phil Troutwine uh turned some things around and really just as i said before when you get on the front foot this game is a lot easier you know it, you when you when you decide that you want to do and that's disingenuous to say decide that you want to do it but when you when you change your approach and you go after it then then things change it's not uh it's not about being nasty it's not about doing that but but when you do that and you decide that you can do that then you start executing a little bit more flawlessly and that's i think that's really all we saw today i don't think it's anything overly complicated yeah yeah they they it's been interesting some of the ways that these games have gone of Penn State was more physical than Ohio State in the first half of that game. And then Ohio State came out and and they just they played a little bit better and that kind of dried up some of Penn State's running game. And then you saw in other games, Penn State has thoroughly dominated the other team and is the more physical of the two. Rutgers came out and they wanted to, you know, they they were executing, they were on, as you said, on the front of their foot. Penn State, once the game got going, in that leveled out. And that's kind of one of those things where the the margin is so thin and you have to have like two or three. I, I sometimes think if you're a team that's completely outmatched, you have to have a second whole game plan for the second half. I always thought when you were going up against Bill Belichick, you had to have a second secret game plan because Tom Brady was going to digest it in the first half and then it was over in the second. Uh, and they were probably recording your practice anyway. Um, Jason says, DJ Dozier and Blair Thomas in late 80s. Let's get back to being RBU. Uh, two guys, is that two guys that were on the same team? That predates my Penn State football knowledge there, Fitz. Uh, is that going back to our conversation about two guys on the same team, like Allen and Singleton? Yeah, yeah, they they, they had some pretty good back. They just just an assembly line through the 80s and 90s. So that, that I mean, I think I saw people mentioning uh, Kajana Carter, Mike Archie, Stephen Pitts was on that team. I mean, just really really good backs and it's uh it's a different game now but at the same time when you can roll those guys through and really not miss a beat or give yourself time to um adjust to what 
which back fits what we're trying to do in this game. Cause, cause sometimes you don't know that until midway through the first quarter, second quarter. And then all of a sudden you find, you find it and you feel it out and you go with it. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I see there's a big, a big conversation that has shifted to the history, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, and you know, I'm, I'm seeing some things in here, uh, South Florida kind of makes sense, um, with, uh, with Manny Diaz, but again, it's, it's quite a turnaround. I mean, he did not yeah. leave, university of miami on with with great standing i'll say that i mean his reputation is what it is but it's uh it's so tough and, and i think when you're a defensive coach it might take a little bit more maybe an extra year in the rehab for that to get going and can it can he be a head coach absolutely he can be a head coach yeah. but i think that for a defensive coach it's it's a little bit uh it's a little bit more difficult yeah and he has uh, you know this is no disrespect whatsoever to brent pry but manny diaz had a higher profile as a coach and got that Miami job at Penn State. This is a springboard position for him not to go to South Florida, but to go to another quality, uh, you know, power five school if he wants to. But as you point out, it'll take a little bit more time. Uh, we're the BWI Live post game show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We're talking about this blowout win 55 uh, 10 over Rutgers. And not to belabor the point of this game, talking about a bunch of other stuff, including historical Penn State running back. So I apologize for not bringing too much to that conversation as somebody who, despite having gray hair on my head, doesn't know uh, the Blair Thomas Kajana Carter conversation. But if you could do one thing to help me out, I would greatly appreciate it. That is like the video. We've got thousands of people here on the video. We definitely do. Don't check the numbers. Uh, but we only have 50-some likes. So if you like the video, that helps out uh, defeat the almighty algorithm. And it gets this show and our information out to the masses. And you can say that you uh, were a part of that. Fitz, anything from this game that stands out to you in terms of uh, takeaways that aren't just Rutgers is bad, but a turning point last week to me, Abdul Carter, that was the coming out game. This solidifies that that's, that's now a thing. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Dixon, anybody else maybe that you saw play today that the light came on for them or that you think uh, has momentum going into the final game of the season. I think Kobe King's playing pretty well right now. Um, he's, uh, he's doing some nice things. Uh, uh, KJ Winston, the freshman safety and, uh, to a lesser extent, Cam Miller, but KJ Winston can hit. Um, he's going to use an off season to get bigger, stronger, faster, and compete for one of those safety jobs next year, I think, as a, as a true sophomore. So I'm excited to see him. Dom DeLuca keeps popping up. Um, that's always fun to watch. And he's he's just around the ball. He had a nice yeah. sack today, um, plays special teams, does some great things. So a um, bunch of young guys stepped up. I mean, they got a ton of guys into the game today. Of course, with the travel roster, it limits how many guys you can actually send but at the same time, I'm looking at Penn State's uh, defensive stats right now, and it goes eh, probably about 25 deep in terms of of, uh, of tackles and things like that. So that's been cool to see. Marquise Wilson came up, made a big play. Um, second week in, in a row, they've called on him without Joey Porter. Uh, side note, James Franklin did not address Parker Washington in the postgame. I'm getting texts right now from Nate about that. It's, it's apparently going to be addressed on Tuesday for those looking for an update, an official update uh, on Parker Washington. But going back to that, that defense side of the ball, they played a lot of guys. Um, Zane Durant was active once again. Zariah Fisher got back in the game, which I'm going to yell to the to, to the to the mountaintops that it's cool every time he gets in the game for, for a guy that should have been out for the season. So you just look at the younger guys, and, and they're starting to get out there, and they're starting to play them. Um, still looking for more of that on the offensive side of the ball, specifically a receiver. We saw Khalil Dinkins, the tight end, um, had a catch. Liam Clifford, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but still waiting for a little bit more pop uh, from those younger guys outside of uh, outside of the running back. 
I'm a little surprised by Khalil Dinkins. Um, you know, he just seemed like a guy he never played tight end in high school, and he's turned another guy that's turned around more quickly than I expected in terms of being able to contribute and play, and, and even just the getting to the uh, the size necessary to get on the football field. That's a really impressive thing as well. Um, we haven't talked about Drew Aller yet today. What would you think about how Drew played in the 20 plus minutes that he was on the football field? I, I think. And this is probably not what we're going for at all, but to see him out there taking hits, I know people are going to be like, he should not be running around. He's, you know, he's a five-star quarterback, stay in the pocket, throw the ball away, slide, whatever. It's really good for a freshman to come in and take hits. Like, and I don't think he put himself in a situation where he could potentially get hurt from one of those hits, but it's going to be something that benefits him. And I know people don't want to see it. I'm sure James Franklin did not want to see him scrambling and then taking on somebody headfirst uh, with a shoulder or something like that. But taking those hits is going to be something that continues to help his evolution as a football player. I mean, we've, we've seen guys shell shock before when all of a sudden they come in and, and they start taking these hits and, and then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's not pretty. Um, so I think that's going to help, um, you know, five of 10 for 42 is not going to move the needle. Yeah. Um, but it, it was quality, uh, quality reps for him. And maybe he's got to have some sort of uh, lack of success to, to help his progress. And, and, you know, I don't think he was overly sharp today through a couple of nice balls, but at the same time shows you that he still has a ways to go as a quarterback prospect. Yeah. I, I said this last week. It's okay. If he struggles, that's the whole point. That's why you put him in the fourth quarter is that he can do whatever and it doesn't matter. And, and the, the failure is as good sometimes as the success because you can learn from it in a no stress environment. And I agree. You know, I, I thought there were times he looked tentative in the pocket last week. He gets his the if he gets hit this week and and he comes through it okay and he has a better mentality about it. That's good. Like these are all good things. Especially too, by the way, if you're gonna call these plays, if you're gonna call the quarterback run play, and Penze's gonna call the quarterback run play no matter who's back there. He does have to get used to that. That is a part of his. That is going to have to be a part of his game uh, going forward. Whether it is a large part or a small part is, is obviously going to be the distinction. And you want him to be the passer. But you, this offense has never given up the quarterback run option, um, even if it hasn't been prevalent so far this year. Going back to the defense, and I agree with you by the way about uh, Drew and some of the accuracy stuff today. I'm interested to see how if he plays next week. You know, that defense for Michigan State is one of the worst I've seen consistently over two years of busting coverages. So if Penn State doesn't throw the ball well next week, I'm I'm going to have some questions about this offense. Obviously, the, the, the receivers are a part of that. Um, going back to the defense, something that I, I think is, is worth talking about is Curtis Jacobs coming back, playing well. But also Penn State going back to having three linebackers on the field. And we kind of just accepted it in the middle of the season. But that is a big departure for Manny Diaz. Putting Carter over at the Sam and playing three true linebackers for a good portion of the game. Um, I don't want fans to expect that that's going to be the norm. I think that that story still has to evolve. This is the first season with the body types and, and the you know adjusting to what Manny Diaz wants to do. So you mentioned KJ Winston, Tyrese Mills. Um, you know, some of the freshmen that are coming in this class, are those guys going to be in the conversation to go to that Sam linebacker position? Tony Rojas is a freak athlete. Is he going to be? I'm fascinated to watch how that happens this offseason. Do you have any thoughts on on the most controversial linebacker spot for Penn State this year? 
I mean, Mills was already there when, when he got hurt. So he's yeah. going to be there. And I, you know, I never really viewed him as a true safety anyway. So he'll be there. Dom DeLuca, you can't forget about Dom DeLuca. He's been, yep. he's done everything that you've asked of him and um, he's done, done a pretty good job. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Jacobs. But uh, yeah, I think I, I would lean more Jalen Reed than KJ Winston personally, because mm-hmm. Jalen Reed has played that position he was a rover in high school. I mean, he was not asked to play mm-hmm. in a structured defense or anything like that, but he was essentially a linebacker, a safety, a defense, whatever you needed him to be. No, that's a great point. And, and Sam is a spot that, you know, he's he's been tripped up by coverage at, at times this year. So I think that's a natural fit for him, a little bit more natural than K.J. Winston, who could play that position as well. Um, we'll see what happens with, uh, with some of those other safeties. But uh, I, I think they've got bodies to do it. Tony Rojas uh, is about 190 pounds right now, so he's going to have to come in early um, and get going. But I think he'll have an opportunity. The kid's a really, really good player. Ryan Snyder was just down there last night. I think he scored five touchdowns and had five sacks and just really did a bit of uh, a bit of everything. So um, would not doubt if he's if he's one of those guys that you could see playing, whether it be a, at a linebacker spot or all, one of those guys that plays on special teams in 12 games. He's a he's a guy that. Uh, is a really, really good football player, really natural football player. It's just going to be about size with him. I think he's athletic enough. Um, you know, he, he can really attack from different angles and things like that. So I'm excited. He's, he's one of the guys I'm most excited about in the class for good reason. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to have options there. It's just a matter of filling that out and, and seeing which direction that you can go, especially the, those other linebacker spots. Do you, do you have to move DeLuca down to will, you know, you, you've got so yeah. many questions about, um, the way to handle the personnel in that group, which is, it's not a, it's not a deep group. It's not a, it's not a group that's heavy in numbers. Yeah. And don't, by the way, don't forget about King Mac. Cause I, I got a man crush on him in this class. I, I think he could play six positions on defense. Cause he's so good. Gary says, good win today, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. We are appreciate that Gary. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And that's a great segue fits to look ahead not just at next week, but what I think people are really interested in is some of the conversations we just had about the offseason, the roster churn, and the bowl game. Where are you seeing Penn State in the bowl game landscape heading into a critical weekend wherever there's a lot of rivalry games and Penn State's playing Michigan State next week? So 10-2 and two is easily within reach. Where do you see them landing in the bowl game landscape? Yeah, I think the chaos factor for Penn State is lower than most of the people that they're tracking right now. You know, TCU got that win today, which if they lose, they're essentially out of the the playoff race. And that opens some things up for Ohio State and Michigan. If they play a close game, maybe both of those teams get in there. Um, and that would send Penn State to the Rose Bowl, essentially. So there's so many like moving pieces there where Penn State should be able to take care of business next week. But you can't say the same about a bunch of those schools that are in front of Penn State. You got the ACC, um, where it's essentially, I think, going to come down to North Carolina and Clemson. Um, you've got uh, conference championship games and things like that. So there's a lot, um, I think, a lot of chaos ahead. You narrowly avoided some of that today. And and unfortunately for Penn State, it went the wrong way for them. But, you know, if you're 10 and 2, you're just going to keep inching up there and being in that top 10 in the college football playoff rankings. And, you know, Citrus Bowl is still in play. But I think New Year's 6 is certainly, um, you know, certainly something that you can look at and say that's a, that's a realistic opportunity. I've got my Navy shirt on today. Navy had a big win that doesn't really affect Penn state a ton, but if Penn state goes to the cotton bowl and plays the at large group of five, it's not going to be UCF because Navy took down UCF today. So 
that's um that's my my tribute to, that's how i worked navy into it this week um but, <laughs> i was yeah. wondering i was like they're not playing they're not gonna play navy are they because that would be terrible no, like Navy's that would not gonna go to a bowl this year unfortunately <laughs> but uh that that was a great win today 17 14 did not complete a pass zero passing yards um and they still beat ucf uh which yeah. is really really cool to see um but uh yeah i think there's there's chaos left that's college football that's why we love college football and i'm excited to see what happens just hopefully from our standpoint, covering the team that we cover, just leave that chaos as elsewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's let's make it clean so we don't have to readjust a lot of expectations and travel plans as we get closer to the holiday season. Um, one thing you talk about zero passing yards and the end of the Illinois game. I hate watching run oriented teams try to close out games. I hate late game situations with run games because Illinois had it. They had it in their hands uh-huh. and they ran themselves out of the game. And I just find that to be so frustrating to watch from just a, a, a play perspective and from a, from a, like be bold, be aggressive as James Franklin would say. I, I don't know. Like that always is very frustrating to me at the end of I that mean, game. I mean, you, as a Penn, if you're a Penn state fan, you want a Michigan to win today uh, from a, <laughs> yeah. from a, that standpoint, not from a, not from an, obviously you want Michigan to win standpoint, but from a bowl selection standpoint to get both of those teams in the college football playoff helps Penn state get to LA, which, you know, yeah. if you're talking to Nate Bauer, that's really the ultimate goal for him. <laughs> How does that work though? Uh, two years in a row. Cause this is another thing that, I think the perception of Michigan until these last two years has been pretty overrated, you know, as far as a blue blood program that was pretty middling. Penn State was on the same level as that team. If they make it to the college football playoff two years in a row, um, is that detrimental to Penn State's race to catch up to them? Does NIL fix that? And and how do you I don't wanna I don't wanna get into the breakthrough the ceiling part, but if Michigan feels like they continue to gain momentum, how does Penn State catch up to teams that are in the college football playoff now, both of them. What's interesting with that is I think Penn state and Michigan are tighter than the results probably say that they are um, yeah. in terms of the NIL stuff. And say, you know, I, I think it's very interesting because obviously Ohio state, it, even though Michigan won the conference last year, everybody's looking at Ohio state as the one that you have to knock off um, from an NIL standpoint. I think Penn state and Michigan feel like they're in an equal footing and that's not necessarily saying that they're in a good spot i think they find themselves behind ohio state behind michigan state which is going to be really hard to stomach for both programs but especially michigan yeah. maybe even behind nebraska um because nebraska desperation is 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 stinky you know and that yeah uh, that, that's really how that could come about so you're looking at penn state and uh, michigan as four and five five and six and nil in the big ten and they kind of find themselves in a situation where do they feel like they have to do it? Some people do. Some people don't. The program itself, the coaches themselves think they have to, but it's a matter of getting that those dollars. And yeah. I think that's where they find themselves. So I'm not seeing Michigan as great of a program as they are and as successful as they've been in the last couple of years, putting the distance between the rest of the Big Ten like they probably should be. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the question is that perception is that they are and uh, the reality, I, I just I don't I don't know. I don't know where getting to the college football playoff twice and, and the outcome of some of those games has to be, uh, you know, factored in to getting to the show. Great. But what did you do when you get there? I, I just 
it feels like there is right now a separation, but it's two games we're talking about. It, it Maybe even like four games total between the two that have swung in Michigan's favor over the last two seasons to put them in this position. Um, I, I just a home it, and home series a, essentially, you know. Like, yes, that's what it's that's what it's come down to. And Penn State, you know, has beaten Michigan, but not as bad as Michigan has beaten Penn State when they have those home games. So I think that's really what it comes down to is is the um, you know sort of the stigma coming off of with Penn State that they're that far behind on the field, whereas I don't think they're that far behind as a program. No, I, I agree. And that's it's that the perception of all of this is super interesting. Hundredth uh, win for James Franklin today. And we got a time capsule from Scott Wilson. When Joe Paterno won his 100th game in 1976, I was a Penn State sophomore. Chuck Fusina was the quarterback. Tuition was $3,755. Whew. I, I don't know where to go with that, but wow, that is, those are some facts right there, man. Man, that tuition number uh, still makes me jealous. I've, I've been able that's to, per class. Been fortunate enough to pay off my student loans. But man, that 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 would have been nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I don't. I think that might be the capstone on the show. Fitz, do you have do you have anything else you want to talk about? Anything coming up from the game or coming Michigan State? A way too early preview? Anything like that? Not really. No. Um, Penn State should be able to take care of business next week. But uh, again, every time they play Michigan State, something crazy happens. It's the land grant trophy. So throw the records out. Um, that's what we do. Um, but uh, no. A good performance by Penn State in the sense that it was so ugly that they were able to adjust, find a different way, and just sort of, you know, strong arm um, Rutgers. And I made the illusion last week uh, that there was a situation where Penn State and Maryland could be deemed equals, but Penn State sort of just put their hand against uh, Maryland's head as Maryland just tried to swing underneath of it, and it didn't work. And they could do that today. It really helps when you're recruiting against these schools, and, and no one likes, likes to say the Penn State's recruiting head-to-head with Rutgers, Penn State's recruiting head-to-head with Maryland, but geographically, you do that. There are guys yeah. that have an opportunity to stay home, and and that's a, appealing to them. So to go out there to win by 45 points doesn't matter that it's that it wasn't a style points game or anything like that is something that's going to help your program. It's going to be something where you go in to the kid from South Jersey who you know maybe likes the idea of staying home and saying, yeah, that's great. But at the same time, we, we can beat this team by 45 on, 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 not on our best day. So I think that this is something that you can look at these last couple of weeks can look at and say, reestablishing yourself as the dominant figure in, in the Northeast, not that it went away or anything like that, but reestablishing, yeah. reestablishing yourself in your footprint. There was a quick, uh, the last two seasons. And it's like, it's, oh, that's over now. And you look at the big 10 standings and I had not seen a full list of the big 10 standings in a while. And my goodness is the West terrible, but generally the, 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 which I took away from that is there is a clear top three. It's Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, and then everybody else. And Penn state once again, proved that that's who they are today. They blew out another team. They scored 30 or more points in every game this season, except for two. Don't ask me if it was about the offense today, because clearly it was not, but uh, that'll do today for the BWI live post game show. I'm Thomas Frank Karshan Fitz uh, joining me today. Appreciate you Fitz. Thanks so much for coming on. We will be back on Monday in some form or fashion for the live show. So we'll give you the full breakdown. I'll say this. A lot of stuff happened off screen with Rutgers and there's coverage. So something I'm digging into in the film study is why did Penn State not have more options downfield? BlueWhiteIllustrated.com for that. Fits quickly your uh, your recap, your first impressions of the game. When does that come up? 
should be soon. Uh, started writing it. Um, we had some time in the second half to uh, <laughs> to, to to get some stuff done. Uh, so that was nice. We actually wanted to start the post game show with about 14 minutes left in the game. Unfortunately, we couldn't do that, but we're, we're here and we're glad that everybody stopped by and liked our video and subscribed to our social channels and such like that. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Monday, like I said, and don't forget bluewhiteillustrated.com for all the great stuff that we're going to have post game. I'm Thomas Rankar. That's Sean Fitz. We'll talk to you later.